Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 100 of the Summit for Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Brian Carroll. I just want to thank you so much for following along with us as we have completed 100 episodes. Now, over the course of the 100 episodes, which spans over three years now, we have had so many phenomenal guests that have come on, and we have talked about over 40 different topics around health. Now, you might have noticed that there's a lot of correlations between what a lot of these guests have talked about, such as we need more sleep, we need to focus more on whole foods, and we need to put a lot of emphasis on our gut health in order to feel the best that we can. And I think it's great that so many people are coming back to the same conclusions because that it gives us a good starting point to work from as we are all on a journey to have better health for ourselves. Now, in this episode, it's going to be a quick episode. I'm going to have a couple guests that shared some audio snippets with us about uh, one question that I had, which is, what future advancements in health are you the most excited for or think will be completely game-changing? And for me, there's three different things that I'm super excited for in the advancements of health. And the first one right now that I am really stoked about is all the research done on the microbiome. Now, you've probably heard me talk before that right now we've, we're in this data collection mode of the microbiome. And we're trying to figure out what all this data means. So when I was talking to Kieran Krishnan, uh, he was mentioning that we probably know about 10% of what the microbiome actually does for the body. And in that 10%, we've already learned that it helps with neurotransmitter production. It helps with our immune system. It helps us to absorb nutrients and a whole host of other things. So imagine what we can learn in the next 90% as we start figuring out more and more about the microbiome. Now, there is some caution that I want people to take because there are companies out there that are saying they can customize um, probiotic protocols specifically for your gut based off of the data that they are collecting. And right now, I don't think we are in a place where that is going to do a whole lot of good because we don't know what every single part of the microbiome does in regards to health. So if we start changing things, we don't know what the long-term impact of that is currently. Now, in the future, what I envision seeing is when we go to the bathroom, the toilets are going to automatically uh, analyze our stools, and we're going to end up getting some kind of daily probiotic for our microbiome based off of the, the stool testing results. And that's ways down the road, but I do see that being something that could potentially be in the future, which I also think is very interesting that that could even be a thing, um, that we could have such customized protocols created uh, just on the fly like that. Now, the other area of health that I'm really interested in is stem cells, because we're seeing such good results with it right now, and we're seeing that there's a lot of potential for regeneration while using stem cells that I think once we start to 
really solidify the practice of utilizing stem cells for regeneration, we're going to have a whole new host of options that we can use them for. And one thing that I'm interested in is if we can take someone that has an amputated limb and possibly regenerate that limb back uh, fully. And that could very well be a potential down the road as well. And also, what if someone has an organ failure of some sort and you can use stem cells to regrow that organ? So that is another area that I'm really excited for. And we'll have to see over the next 5, 10 years what type of research and um, results we can get out of stem cells. Now, the third one, I have a little bit mixed feelings about the third one, is the use of psychedelics in mental health and depression. Right now, Tim Ferriss is funding a lot of research in psychedelics and microdosing of psychedelics, and the results are promising because it's showing that, you know, microdosing psychedelics like this is improving people's moods. And if you ever look at the populations that use uh, heavy doses of psychedelics, you will see that they get these huge spikes of uh, endorphins and serotonin release, but then they get these huge drops. So they go through these uh, big swings of, you know, being the happiest of their life to the lowest of lows, and that's because they don't know how to dose properly and um, they're taking just way too much. So the microdosing is in such minute doses that it doesn't change much in your body but you start to feel a little bit better, which is really neat, especially for people battling depression. The problem that I see is we're trying to find a Band-Aid to something that we're not looking for the root cause. So someone battling mental health and depression, we're trying to figure out another way to give them uh, that serotonin release to feel good in life, and we're not looking at the underlying reasons for why they feel that way in the first place. So I think... I think psychedelics and uh, microdosing could be a really good uh, thing for the future, but I think practitioners still need to be looking at the underlying causes and working with both of those at the same time, and then you're going to get absolutely amazing results with that. Uh, so those are my three big uh, future advancements that I'm looking forward to hearing more about, and over the next five to ten years, I'm super excited to see what will happen. So my guests that came on, we have Cynthia Thurlow, Dr. Robert Silverman, uh, Dr. Ken Brown, and Lenny Parasino. They all shared a little snippet with us about what they think the future advancements in health are going to look like. So let's go hear a little bit from them. Hey, Brian, I wanted to touch base about some of the innovations that I feel are really going to be critical moving forward into 2020, new decade, new way of thinking. First and foremost is cold therapy. I think the uh, research that's coming out with Wim Hof is really fascinating, kind of tapping into that parasympathetic side of our bodies, really engaging that non-sympathetic dominant side to tap into those health benefits, lowering our heart rate, uh, really being mindful, recognizing that mind over body is really critical. Uh, I also think, you know, getting back to basics, I'm seeing more and more people that are wanting to cook from home. They're wanting to understand more ancestral approaches to health and wellness, really looking at the concept of fasting and feasting, meaning we're not snacking, we're not eating mini meals. We're really focused on uh, consuming two or maybe one large meal a day and then doing prolonged fasts. 
biohacking is certainly something that's becoming really interesting. Again, looking at that combination between brain and body, um, looking at meditation, using products like Muse, uh, really looking at ketone esters, things that can really benefit our brains as well as our bodies, really innately tapping into uh, resources that are available to us that we have gotten so disconnected from in our hurried, overharried lives and existences. I think about a return to meditation, more to more mindful living, ensuring that we're getting some downtime on a daily basis. And then lastly, uh, a more westernized approach that I think is really going to change a lot of lives. Certainly having a child with food allergies, the whole concept of peanut immunotherapy and the fact that it's becoming more, uh, more common to be seeing this in uh, non-research-based uh, institutions as well as non-research-based physicians is really encouraging. Having a child with life-threatening food allergies, for me personally, knowing that there is a type of therapy that we can utilize with him so that it helps build up his own body's immunity to um, an allergen that could potentially kill him. So those are kind of my five or six top things that I'm seeing are really becoming much more important. I think they will come to the forefront, uh, but most exciting of which is the peanut uh, immunotherapy as well as the Wim Hof stuff. If you're not following him, you definitely should be. What's up, Brian? Congratulations on your 100th episode. Uh, super excited to have done your podcast and notice that you're gaining all this traction. I'm really proud of you and people like you are changing the health landscape. Uh, your question is, what future advancements in health are you most excited for? So I spend a lot of time reading all different kinds of articles related to gut and brain. And so what I'm so excited about is that now scientists are starting to talk more about the xenobiotic relationship with the microbiome, meaning the foods and supplements that you take in and what your microbiome can do with it. So there's all different kinds of research that's coming out right now, but essentially the biggest advancement is if we feed our microbiome what it needs so that it can be diversified, the more diverse your microbiome is, the better chance you are of having overall health. Just a couple articles that come to mind when I'm sitting here thinking about this is an article I just came across this month called Dietary Products as Epigenetic modifiers and aging. What that means is when you take in supplements and diet, your microbiome will metabolize it into anti-aging molecules through an epigenetic phenomenon, meaning that we change our own genetics positively or negatively based on what we feed our microbiome. And a disease state that I'm very passionate about is dementia. What's the point of living a healthy, fruitful life when your health span is diminished? And what I mean by that is you may live to 100, but if you don't know that you're here, your health span is now gone. Or you may understand where you're at, but your physical body will not keep up. So your health span has been diminished. Well, scientists are now looking at how dietary flavonoids um, and the risk of Alzheimer's. So what I'm most excited about is that science is moving in the direction of the microbiome and how having a diverse microbiome 
and feeding it the right things produces what is now called postbiotics, which is the xenobiotic conversion so that these postbiotics break down the foods and supplements that we take in and produce either positive or negative effects. If we can figure this out, we can fix the gut-brain access and prevent brain diseases like dementia, possibly Alzheimer's, in addition to affecting the autoimmune process. So the advancement that I'm most excited about is our expanding knowledge on the microbiome, the diversity of it, and how the supplements and foods that we take in result in positive effects, not just on a one-to-one level, but on an epigenetic, meaning that you can change your genes. Just because your mom had dementia doesn't mean that you have to have dementia. You can affect that. So there's my little golden nugget drop where I'm hoping that as this science continues to progress, we'll just continue to compound it and looking at things like the Summit for Wellness where you're out there explaining this to people. I commend you for this. I want to thank you and congratulations on your 100th episode. Dr. Ken Brown here. I forgot what episode I was on, but go check it out. Uh, Future advancements in health that I'm most excited about is in the realm of understanding human movement. We now understand and science is clear on the dynamical systems approach as opposed to a topographic or an isolated approach, that movement can only be understood in context, which should be a unifying principle for all professionals that we must focus on individuality. I mean, it's so easy to explain that we all have different fingerprints. You know, if you go into a cadaver lab, you see, yes, we all have femurs, we all have a pelvis, but we're all very, very different. As much as there is a commonality to the human organism, there's so many differences and that's what makes each person special. So that to me is the most exciting. We're starting to realize that many of us learned about hamstrings and hip flexors and the chest muscle through textbooks that were very isolated. The textbooks are more about art, geography, not the reality. So me being a hyper-realist, and appreciating the dynamic systems approach and the fact that we have to be contextual is very, very exciting because now we can work with people and help people individually as opposed to just imposing that this is what's going on with them. I mean, the big thing that I would share with people, whether it be professionals listening to this and or the um, average person that, you know, appreciates that we got to get out there and move for health is ask yourself the next time you work with someone or read a book or listen to somebody, are they imposing on you or are they exposing who you are and how to encourage and improve upon your health through movement? The four things that I would focus on with people or get people to focus on because they're authentic and they're real, is movement, like I just mentioned, rest, nourishment, and then, of course, the behavioralisms, being in a positive mind, understanding, for example, what pain is. It doesn't necessarily mean there's damage. Today in neuroscience, 
it has been proven that we can't correlate the degree of damage with the pain. It must be differentially diagnosed. And there are many, many factors need to be considered before we go along that lines. But in today's society, oftentimes we don't get enough time with the practitioner and things are imposed as opposed to exposed. So that's for me, the most exciting thing is seeing this field of movement really become more authentic and more individualized. Hi, I'm Dr. Rob Silverman, Amazon bestselling author of Inside Out Health and ACA Sports Council Chiropractic Year 2015. I'm extremely excited about two specific advancements in healthcare, which I believe are both game-changing events for the 2020 and beyond years. The first one I'd like to talk about is epigenetics. Epigenetics is simply defined as the study of changes in organisms caused by modification of gene expression rather than the alteration of the genetic code itself. We always like to define the difference between genetics and genomics. Genetics is the study of heredity and how traits are transmitted from one generation to the next. Genomics is the study of the entirety of an organism's genome. That genome refers to the organism's entire genetic makeup. The study of genomics addresses the entire genome and how the genes are interrelated. The main difference between the two disciplines is that genetics examines the composition and function of a single gene, while genomics looks at all the genes within an organism and how the interplay to influence the growth and development of that organism. Epigenetics has burst on the healthcare scene as an important arena for practitioners to understand. Epigenetics is how the gene's expression is changed through the interaction with environmental surroundings. These surroundings include smoking, mismatched diets, air pollution, stress, lack of sleep, and much, much more. Implementing and understanding epigenetic treatment tests and protocols allow the practitioners to truly personalize treatment plans easily and arrive at greater outcomes faster, decreasing trial and error, thus saving the patient time and money, and ultimately allowing the patient to optimize on their genetic potential. The second topic of tremendous game-changing interest would be the term postbiotics. Postbiotics are the byproducts of the fermentation process that bacteria typically undergo within your intestinal tract. When probiotics feed on certain kinds of fibers, probiotics therefore leave a waste behind that is beneficial to the regulating microbiome. You may be thinking, how can a waste product be so helpful to your overall gut health? Well, studies suggest that postbiotics play a role in defending against pathogens and helping our immune system adapt to any changes in the gut composition. Therefore, the flow goes very simply within our intestinal system. We give it prebiotics, which feed the probiotics, and ultimately the postbiotics are the beneficial waste products. So in conclusion, postbiotics may contribute to an improvement of the host's health. Postbiotics could be an elegant and safe method to improve health as postbiotics have less challenges compared to viable probiotics in terms of storage and shelf life. Dr. Rob, always yours in health. So as you can see, there's a lot of really neat stuff coming out in the future all around health and the different improvements that uh, we are working on. So what are you most excited about in the upcoming future? 
I would love to know. And if you go to summitforwellness.com slash 100, you can leave a comment right on there and let us know what you are most excited about. Also, at that URL, you can find all the information for our giveaways. So I have a lot of different stuff that I'm going to be giving away with this episode, such as Cynthia Thurlow's Primal Eating Book, uh, Entron Till, which is one of Ken Brown's products for the gut, Rob Silverman's book, Inside Out Health. I'll give away Rob Wolf's Wired to Eat book, Dr. Ruscio's Healthy Gut, Healthy You book, and Ben Greenfield's Boundless book. And that's just, just some of the items that I am planning on giving away. So all you have to do is go to either Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and leave a rating and review for our show. And then after that, message us on any social platform or however you choose just to let us know that you did, and you will be entered into the drawing automatically. So I'm going to be bundling a lot of these items up, so there is a chance that you might get quite a few items if you are lucky. So again, go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and leave a rating and review for Summit for Wellness Podcast, and then message us directly to let us know that you did and then you will be automatically entered in for some of these items. Okay, on the next episode, I have Dr. Michael Smith coming on to talk all about MS. So let's go hear a little bit from Dr. Michael. I am here with Dr. Michael Smith. Hey, Michael, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? So one unique thing is that the people I know now, my friends, family, people I work with, they don't realize that, you know, 20 years ago, when I was a chef, I was probably one of the most, un- 25 years ago now, time's going on, I was super unhealthy, drank too much, did other unhealthy things, and people just don't, either wouldn't believe it or don't believe it, and the people I knew, ne- knew back then wouldn't, know, wouldn't recognize me now because I don't do all those things, I'm super healthy and fit, so it's like, yeah, I've got these two black and white lives, and, but I much prefer this life. You must have gotten it all out of your system way back then. Yeah, I think I think that's important. So, <laughs> well, what will we be learning about in our interview together? We're going to learn how the Walls Protocol can help people with MS symptoms, or it can actually help people with any type of autoimmune condition, chronic health issue, and it's looking at how this particular diet, lifestyle, and nutrient testing and functional medicine testing can get to that root cause of symptoms like MS symptoms. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? I don't have a particular favorite supplement. It's my favorite foods and nutrients, are one some of the most nutrient dense. So it's eating real foods, but it's making sure you're getting things like oily fish, uh, eating nose to tail and not just eating, you know, if you're a omnivore, not just eating the lean steaks, but getting as much from the animal as possible and eating a lot more vegetables than you currently do now. And what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? The three most important ones, uh, you can't go past exercise, which is close to number one, diet, which is also close to number one. But probably the one that people don't focus on enough is breathing. And we all take breathing for granted. It's like we're doing it constantly. 
but a lot of people aren't doing it correctly and there's so much improvement that they could do. So that's something I've actually focused on myself and seen a massive difference to my health from improving my breathing. And that's one of the things I ask all clients now is, you know, do you breathe through your nose or do you breathe through your mouth? And for the people who breathe through their mouth, they usually have these symptoms of fatigue and poor sleep and, and, and not optimal health. Bonus question for people that have broken noses or any issues with their sinuses. Um, how do you help to improve breathing through the nose? Yeah, good question. So a lot of people say to me, I can't breathe through my nose. It's all blocked up. But there's a particular breathing technique called the Buteco breathing that if people start to implement that, they'll find that that can overcome any blocked noses that they can, uh, they can learn to breathe properly again. It takes work, but then that's how actually I improve my breathing is this Buteco breathing technique. And over six weeks, I went from, I was never a mouth breather, but when I exercised, I breathed through my mouth, but I, I switched to totally breathing through my nose and improved my exercise performance, my running and my other activities. And, and I've seen clients who, yeah, that same question, they can then sleep through the night and breathe through the nose because they've changed the way they breathe all the time. Do you think uh, the mouth taping that some people do, would that improve that as well? That can be a, something that people do. If someone's you know totally blocked up in their nose, they need to do the potato breathing first because you've got to be able to breathe through your mouth or your nose. So if you, are, if you tape your mouth up and you haven't perfected that breathing yet, uh, you, you, know, you can cause more people to panic and not breathe at all, which you don't want. So yeah, mouth taping can be a great thing. It sounds very strange, but there's some special mouth tape out there you can use and it's a definitely an effective treatment. Okay, that episode will be out next week. And make sure to go to summitforwellness.com slash 100 to see all the giveaway details. I have all of these books sitting in front of me right now, so I would love to give them to people. Make sure to follow through, get your submissions in, and you could win. And just make sure to keep climbing to the peak of your health.